0: Our next discussion on Sunday Extra focuses on the Philippines, something that probably doesn't happen enough when you consider it's got the second largest population in Southeast Asia and is number four on the most recent list of nations providing permanent migrants to Australia. And what better way to put the spotlight on the Philippines than to discuss 19th century poet and novelist Jose Pratazio Rizal Mercado y Alonso Realonda, who was martyred at the age of just 35. Rizal is the Philippines' national hero. His statue is to be found apparently in practically every town plaza on the islands. And Rizal was written up recently in the LA Review of Books by Filipino-American novelist Gina Apostol. According to Gina, Rizal defined the nation's life. She says, as a Filipino, everything he wrote defines who I am and that his death by firing squad sparked the first anti-colonial revolution in Asia. But it's clear that Gina's admitted obsession with Rizal is very much informed by concerns about the state of the Philippines today as well. Gina Apostol joins us now, not from her home in America or the Philippines, but from Rome, where she's writing her next novel as the 2022 winner of the Rome Prize in Literature. Gina, welcome to Sunday Extra. Thank you very much for having me. It's a huge pleasure to be here. Well, it's great to be speaking about Jose Rizal. Could we start by hearing how the figure of Rizal loomed in your life growing up in the Philippines?
1: Yeah, I had to read about Rizal from my early elementary year grades until I graduated from elementary school. Grade one would be his childhood. Grade two would be Rizal goes to school, et cetera, until Rizal dies. Finally, grade six. (laughs) Every single child had to learn about Rizal. I got annoyed with him as a child because I had to, but then I ended up reading his novels and his novels to me, well, one in actual life, they really did spark the revolution. So Rizal died in 1896, December 30, 1896. And every year we honor him on Rizal Day, which is the day he died. He was killed very publicly an execution by a firing squad at the Luneta in Mandela. So it's a very central spot. And that statue, that area in the Luneta remains a kind of sacred spot. There were already revolutionaries in 1896 who were not Rizal, who wanted to overthrow Spain, but their rallying figure was Rizal. Their rallying text was his novels. And so more or less, in some ways, the Philippines was created by a novel. You could argue that the Philippines was produced by the novels of Osirizal, especially his first novel. I mean, it's a novel that is both a novel of protest as well as, a, in my view, a truly revolutionary literary piece. And as I said in that essay, um, it, it had more impact than Victor Hugo's. which he loved. It was his favorite novel. Mm. For me, once I read Rizal, I thought we need to keep being reminded of the beauty of revolution and protest that is part of the heritage of the Philippines. It's often forgotten, especially with the fact that modern Philippines has been oppressed by dictatorship and fascism, allied with U.S. geopolitical interests. Um, Right now, we have bases coming in again. Four U.S. bases are going to be set up again, even though we um, kicked out the U.S. bases in 1992.
0: Well, that's why I wanted to pick you up on that as well, Gina, because you write that you think it's particularly important at this time that the country has Rizal. And I wonder if you could just elaborate on that for us.
1: Yes, because particularly of this, we're faced, Filipinos are faced with a sense of hopelessness or anger, or in some cases, lack of memory of the country's history. Going back to Rizal and remembering the work of this writer is so important to the Philippines, given that one, historically, he really did more or less set up a way to be a nation for the Philippines. And two, his work is so resonant, Artful and uncompromising in concepts of humanity, sovereignty, freedom, independence, and revolution. He is so himself, he's so always. Working through a problem of politics and art, for me as a writer, it's exemplary. For me as a Filipino, it is hugely inspiring. And so to go back to Rizal and to see that this is the bedrock of the nation, not fascism, not militarism, the spirit of revolution, the spirit of sovereignty, the spirit of democracy is part of our history and Rizal figures that.
0: On Sunday Extra, we are speaking with Gina Apostol, unashamed fan of Jose Rizal, the (laughs) national hero of the Philippines. Gina, I wanted to ask you a little bit more about just the extraordinary life that Jose Rizal packed into those only 35 years because he was an extraordinary intellect. He travelled a lot as well. Could you tell us just a little bit about what he did before he ended up before that firing squad?
1: He was not just a writer. I mean, I think there were too many things that he could actually do. He was a poet. His last poem, Miltima Dios, is memorized by every child, and he put it in a little lamp before he died and told his sisters, don't throw away the lamp, don't throw away my shoes, get my shoes back. And they never got his shoes back, but they did get the lamp. So we don't know what else he had put in the shoes. Yeah. So he was a sculptor, he was a painter, but he was also a doctor. His mother had cataracts and he told his mother that he was going to cure her eyesight. And so he became a doctor as well. He went to school in Manila, but his family sent him to Spain, especially with ferment in the Philippines, Mm -hmm. to go to school instead in Spain. His brother sent him to Spain secretly. His mother did not want him to go to Spain. And that's where he studied um, medicine. He became a doctor. But at the same time, he wrote novels. So as he was finishing being an ophthalmologist, which is what he became, he was an eye doctor, which is very interesting and symbolic for the Philippines because of the issue of clarity and vision that is part of his heritage. And... He So he's a doctor, but he also loved to travel. So he was everywhere. He was in, in fact, every city that I go to in Europe kind of has a plaque to him because Rizal was here. Rizal was in New York, Rizal was in San Francisco, Rizal was in Brussels, Rizal was in Paris, Rizal was in Rome, et cetera, et cetera. And everywhere he went he spoke the language of the people that he was visiting so he spoke German, spoke Italian spoke Spanish obviously spoke English I've read he spoke
0: up to 20 languages
1: yeah he spoke a lot of languages and he and apart from that he spoke Filipino languages mm. so by the end of his life he spoke Cebuano Um, because he was exiled into the Pitan, and he spoke Kabite Chabacano. That's in his novels. He spoke, obviously, Tagalog. Tagalog was his language, and it's beautiful to read his letters that are in Tagalog. He was a huge fan of this great Tagalog writer, Balagtas, and he carried Balagtas' books branded Laura with him. So he was an inveterate traveler as well. He could do whatever he wanted as far as I could tell. Um, But for me, the novels are the ones that
0: I know and hugely honor. And Gina, for all your passion, you're still conscious of Rizal's limitations to the point of describing him as someone whose bourgeois masculinist views remain encased in their nationalist amber. I wonder if you could unpack that a little bit more for us.
1: You can't just put heroes in a flask, in a vitrine and say, this is who they are. There's, there's nothing else about them. The more we understand, even the flaws of the people that we honor, the better it is for us. And the more honorable, I think, our sense of, in my view, adoration is. I think Rizal was definitely of his time, macho, not really able to see women, actual women, in a way that would be as progressive as we'd want him to be. It was true of all of the heroes, in my view. It's that era, especially the European concept of womanhood, too. You know, I think if we were only doing the Filipino, it would be a different uh, (laughs) way of looking at women. But that European uh, Hispanic world of male patriarchy, they're still part of it. And we need to look at that when we look at heroes. We need to look at the fact that the revolution was not as clever class-oriented in its thinking as it could have been. There was not an analysis of, well, how could you? You're trying to just get rid of Spain. (laughs) But the value of workers, the value of the labor, the value of those who actually did go out in their bare feet going after Spain, those names are not known. You know, a lot of the actual heroes' names are not known. The names that are known are those who ended up owning land, ended up being the ones who joined the Americans after the revolution, after the war against America failed in that was 1899 to around 1913 or so. The people that we remember who were part of that war are the ones that actually ended up um, being co-opted by the Americans. Mm, And so mm. the ones that we don't remember are the ones who, you know, the workers who joined, the, the farmers who were part of their landlord's army, who I think there are so many different ways of thinking about why they went to War, you know, and the reason why they went to war ultimately is a belief in themselves, a belief in their ability to become not the enslaved, but the free.
0: And Gina, we heard how learning about Rizal was an integral part of your education. Perhaps in those younger years, a bit of a burdensome one. Do you have a sense of how Rizal figures for young people in the Philippines growing up today? Is he as big and substantial a figure these days?
1: Um, well, we do have a Rizal Law, which requires that um, everyone read Rizal. So, <laughs> so that is probably what makes him annoying to people. (laughs) You have to to read them in high school. I had to read them in high school. I don't know if they're still doing that, but that was a law. So I wouldn't know at the moment because the the curriculum has been changed so much. Mm. And and the current Secretary of Education is the Vice President, who is the daughter of Duterte. Mm. So we're not going to expect too much from that. (laughs) I'm sorry.
0: (laughs) Well, Gina, it's been delightful speaking with you and hearing more about the extraordinary figure of José Rizal. Thank you so much for joining us on Sunday Extra.
1: Thank you so much. I really appreciate it. And yes. (laughs) (laughs) Go <laughs>
0: <laughs> That's Filipino-American novelist Gina Apostol, who's a two-time recipient of the Philippine National Book Award, and her next novel, La Tercera, comes out in May. It's described as assembling a vision of Philippine history from the 19th century to the present day in the fragmented story of the Delgados, a family surviving across generations of colonisation, catastrophe and war.